0: you're listening to force friends rewatch a star wars tv show podcast from rebels to resistance and the mandalorian to ewoks we've got you covered here's your warning there will be spoilers and there will be swearing because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good good shows Welcome to Force Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. On Force Friends Rewatch, we watch Star Wars television shows, and then we talk about them.
1: Yes, and nothing else.
0: And nothing else. We are currently watching every Mandalorian episode of TV available. Today we are covering Rebels Season 3, Episode 16? Ish? Yes, yes. Trials of the Darksaber? Around there. Uh but before we get into that, Ryan has a bit for us.
1: Um yes, I do have a bit. And it's a pretty generic one. But you know, uh as the quarantine tightens down, we're all thinking about masks a lot. Uh, if you had to spend one week in any Star Wars character's mask, could be a full face mask. Like uh, like a Darth Malik kind of thing could be a full helmet. Whose mask would you wear for a whole week?
0: Okay, so the the gist of this is which Star Wars character has like the coolest helmet. I
1: guess, that's but it, you know, you could take a couple angles. You know, whose mask would you want to be stuck in?
0: Um, that's. I think the toughest thing is like which of these is going to go with my own wardrobe. Yeah. Which is, is tricky. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Star Wars helmets in general make it hard to see. Yeah. So I think I'd want one that, that gave me a good range of visibility. Uh, I used to be a stormtrooper in the 501st, and that's very hard to see in. And even my... <laughs> Even my roll pilot helmet, which you think would be very easy to see, it makes everything yellow and there are lines in that face shield. Right. That do you know why um, that is? Distort your view. I don't know why that is. I just found this out.
1: Um, the lights through the cockpit, through the shield, because you needed some kind of eye protection or it looked silly, were apparently melting the eye makeup. And the amber tint on the visor allows you to still see the character's eyes, and you get that emotion, but you can't tell that they are a hot mess under there. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Um, so, taking that into consideration, maybe... But it's got to
1: cover the mouth and nose. Keep that in mind.
0: Maybe Fennec Shant?
1: Okay. Oh, yeah, because I guess... seems
0: pretty rad, um... Zam Wessel would also be a top contender.
1: Oh, yeah, as long as that, uh, that face covering is, is, is thick enough. Yeah. Oh, look at you, going for visibility.
0: Yeah, I want to be able to see what I'm doing. Preferably.
1: All right. I hadn't even thought of Zam, which is going to get me in trouble with my partner because Zam is her jam. But damn. I didn't mean for that A last one. A lot of rhymes. Time, but I did. Yeah, I was going to say, that wasn't, that wasn't, as our jam was intentional. Uh, the jam uh, that, was, that, was.
0: That jam was, was great. That kind of
1: day. Thank yeah. you. Um, can I change my answer to Zam? No. Uh, my, my initial instinct was, uh, Because number one, he wears it all the time. It's got to be comfortable. And number two, like like you said about wardrobe, you know that that helmet kind of goes with anything, because he's got his Western mismatched bum look. He's got his Beskar chic. And that helmet works with both. You know he's always looking his best. But yeah, honorable mention to Zori Bliss, because that thing is cool. As pointless as the character was, the helmet <laughs> was a nice little focal point. Um. And yeah, I'm going to well, steal I mean, your answer and say zam.
0: I don't think Zori Bliss did not have a purpose. Her purpose was to know homo Poe away from Finn. True. I should um, modify that and she, say she had a
1: dumb purpose. She
0: she had a bad purpose. Yeah. There you go.
1: A bad purpose.
0: Good answers.
1: Thank you. Good answers to you too. Oh, shucks. <laughs>
0: So we watched And I'd like tri-
1: to warn everybody, by the way. Uh, this is our first, I think this is our first episode in a while without a guest. So if you think our guests are cool, but you hate
0: us, do not now. you know? Yeah, yeah, no guests this week. It's just, it's just Ryan and I riding just off us. into the sunset together this time.
1: <laughs> we will be back with more episodes, though. It's, it's not the sunset. Please stay.
0: Yeah, that's true. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> leave us. So, so we watched Trials of the Darksaber. We did. Uh, This is a really good one. This one's real it emotional. Um, it is. It opens up with Sabine has already found the Darksaber at this point, and we did not include that episode because yeah. the only Mandalorian thing that happens in it is she finds the Darksaber. And, uh, you know, with our Mando-themed rewatch, we didn't feel like it I guess merited. Uh, it sidetracks opinion. too hard into yeah. Maul. In my yeah. opinion, it is a wrap up of the Clone Wars, Dark like Night Sister shit more than it is a Mandalorian episode. Yes. So we we skipped that one, but she has the dark saber. Kanan invites. It opens with Kanan inviting Fenral into his uh his bedroom, and he's like, "Hey." <laughs> like Sabine found this and gave it to me. What the fuck? <laughs> and Fen Rao is like, Oh, let me tell you this whole story. And like the animation style changes as he tells this story about Tar Vizla, who was the first Mandalorian Jedi and it was his lightsaber and it's super fancy and special. And the Mandalorians, uh, liberated it from the Jedi temple after his death. And now it like unites House Vizsla, and, you know, occasionally all of Mandalore. And Kanan's like, oh, wow. um, I don't want it. And <laughs> uh, Fenrir, was like, well, yeah, like, we should train Sabine how they use it. Da-da-da-da. Kanan's like, I don't know. And then they have an intervention for Sabine, and they're like, you have to unite your house so that they'll join the rebellion and she's not really thrilled about it, and Kanan is mm. not thrilled about it, and Ezra is like, I'm going to be better at Sabine than this, so I'm kind of on board. <laughs> uh, and Sabine, Ezra, and Kanan go out into the desert to have, like, lightsaber boot camp. Kanan kicks Sabine's ass and then makes Ezra train her a bunch, and uh, he's in, like, full... Buddhist warrior monk mode this episode. Like, he's very detached. Yeah,
1: this is very Jedi, yeah.
0: He's very serious. He is more serious training Sabine, I feel like, than he ever was Ezra. And I think there's a few reasons for that that we can get into. But Kanan has some talks with Hera. They don't go great. Fen'ral shows up, gives Sabine some, like, fucking rad Mandalorian upgrades. Sabine... Kicks Ezra's ass, then fights Kanan and loses again. And then they separate for a while and cool off. And then they go again. And Sabine kind of directly confronts her trauma over why she doesn't want this. And I think by the end of it, it's Sabine and Kanan both realizing that she's ready at the same time. And then the episode kind of ends.
1: Yeah, excellent recap.
0: You should rewatch it if you have not seen it in a while. It's a damn good episode.
1: Yeah, it it really is. And it, it establishes so much of what's to come, but it tells its own story, which, on that note, uh, when I was reading about it, like the behind the scenes and whatever, do you remember the episode Warhead where uh, there's those Imperial droids that look like protocol droids, but they're secretly, like, weaponized? Yeah. So that plotline and Sabine's training were supposed to be part of the same episode. Like, that was going to be a subplot in this, so Zeb had something to do. I am so glad that didn't happen, because this story deserved its focus.
0: Yeah, it's almost a shame that this episode was stuck in the TV format and not the Disney Plus format that we have been getting spoiled with, where... Episodes can be however long they they need to be to tell the story they're telling. Because this episode could have used another four minutes.
1: At least, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a great character moment for everybody, really. Like, Ezra grows, Sabine grows, Kanan grows. Uh, It's great.
0: Yeah, and I completely agree with you. As much as I love, like, Zeb and Chopper and AP5, like, the fact that this episode is such a small cast, I think really makes it shine. Definitely. So what worked for us? Um, You know, we can just rattle back and forth shit that was great, because there's a ton.
1: I mean, at the time, I didn't like Rao's new armor, but... Now that I've, I, I forget where, but I saw a side-by-side of it next to Satine's Royal Guard, and that's what he's wearing. He's wearing that, just a little more mandified, and I like, I like that. Like, I really like Fen Rao, and I like the little unspoken, I don't know, that says something about him as a character. It's a weird thing to latch onto, but I like that little connection, because he does say that the Protectors guarded the Sovereign of Mandalore. I like all that. I like the subtle visual cues.
0: I really love that this episode, probably more than anything else in Star Wars at the time, was laying out lightsaber mythology. Yeah. Um, so we get the, I think, you know, You can compare this to the arc where the Padawans get their lightsaber crystals in Clone Wars. But, like, we learn a ton about how lightsabers spiritually function. And, like, the lightsaber feels really heavy at first because Sabine has it bonded with the crystal inside of it. And then, like, as she bonds with it, it gets lighter and it's easier for her to wield. And, like, the lightsabers are attracted to each other. Like, there's so much mythology crammed in here and it's really all fascinating stuff
1: yeah i remember at the time i didn't like the idea of them training with sticks but i can't remember why i didn't like that because especially the fact that he didn't make ezra do that the fact that kanan didn't believe that sabine could do it i guess it was I mean, Kanan has an inherent prejudice against Mandalorians. Not like a hatred, but like, what is it with you
0: Mandalorians? She's so Mandalorian. Like, yeah. Yes,
1: yes. And the fact that he was hesitant to train her combined with the fact that he still did, and then the fact that, like, he found a way to reach her. I mean, that's Kanan.
0: I think the big thing holding Kanan back was... Sabine's imbalance. Like, Sabine has been hanging on to this trauma with her family. Yeah. And, like, Kanan is such a, like, a monk of a Jedi that, like, that imbalance he knew was going to be difficult to break through. And uh, this kind of leads into my next positive, which is Freddie Prince Jr. is such a, like, nerdy Jedi fan like he is really into the philosophy of Star Wars and the philosophy of the force and any episode where Kanan gets to do that shit is fantastic because you know Freddy cares so much about that aspect of fandom so this episode where he gets to like wax philosophically about balance and uh you know, where your focus is and what it means to wield a lightsaber and be a Jedi, and, like, those conversations are fucking great.
1: Yeah, Freddy really shone through, like, his enthusiasm. You could hear it in the way he delivered those lines. That's an excellent point.
0: Kanan and Hera. <laughs> fucking uh, great. Anything Kanan and Hera. Their their phone calls are so good uh, in this <laughs> episode, and they're their relationship is so good um and like we don't see a lot of like really romantic moments but we see a lot of intimate moments with them where they have these really vulnerable conversations about different things happening in their lives and uh, you know their their separate missions and like they don't necessarily understand each other's worlds like Kanan is vocally not excited about being in the alliance and Hera doesn't always understand what it means to be a Jedi, but they're really supportive of each other and I think it's great. Yeah, they
1: are they are made for each other in their unique ways, you know? Kim and the Lone Wolf and Hera the Den mother. They're diametrically opposed, but like you said, like there's no I don't know, they understand that they will not understand, I think. Hera more than canon.
0: What Mandalorian stuff did we get this episode that really stands out to you? Because there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff we can just rant yeah. about this episode, but like with the Mandalorian rewatch, what did we learn?
1: I mean, number one, it's the first time that we see, and it's a subtle thing again, but I focus on this dialogue stuff, uh, something that we would revisit a lot more in the Mandalorian is that they use medieval armor terminology for their armor, which just kind of underlines how central to their culture it is, because Sabine calls them Mandalorian Vambraces, and then later we'll hear the armorer talk about pauldrons and cuirasses. I like that, and I love the reverence with which she sees the Vambraces. Like she's surprised that Fenn could have acquired them, even though the purge presumably hasn't happened yet.
0: She says, where did you
1: get those?
0: I loved Kanan's reaction to them. Yeah. Because Sabine reacts with reverence and awe and is really excited. And Fen Rao is, like, so stoked to give them to her. And he cockily is like, go knock Ezra down. Go knock (laughs) Mr. Bridger down a few pegs. It's good shit. But then Kanan sees them, and he's mad and, like, offended and, like, dismisses them. Uh, He says, uh, you know, like those toys aren't going to work like newsflash. The Jedi beat you uh, when you were (laughs) using those toys. Uh, So like just the the different reactions around them is really interesting.
1: Yeah. And they are. I mean, helmet aside, the loaded gauntlets were always the coolest parts of the FETs. So I like seeing them explored. And I love the idea that they were absolutely designed to combat the powers of the Jedi.
0: We see really cool stuff with them. So there's one that does kind of like a force push.
1: Yeah. It
0: like shoots out like a, a tunnel of air in like uh, a pulse. Then there's one that is kind of a force pull slash a grip where it can like tie someone up or uh, it can wrap around something and bring it back to you. Um there were Which darts. We first don't there we w-
1: first see that in uh we see that in return of the jedi yeah that yeah.
0: uses a very similar thing to wrap up Luke.
1: the darts although his doesn't light up
0: yeah uh, <laughs> we get some darts we get uh a flamethrower and i think that's it uh, uh, Oh, and and the there's blasters
1: on one of them yeah and the shield the he shield is very the shield cool. here but we know that's here um Although I guess after after the Mandalorian, seeing him block lightsabers with his Beskar, it raises the question why the shield is necessary. Unless they're not using Beskar.
0: Um, well, like, for instance, we see Sabine hurt herself and cut through one of the gauntlets with the dark side. True. So, um... It- so they're probably not Beskar. It could be that they are Mandalorian in origin and not a hundred percent Beskar, or that's
1: probably it.
0: Only partially Beskar, because like Din's first set of armor was Mandalorian, but it wasn't a hundred percent Beskar, right? So um, that could be what's going on with these. We don't know, but yeah, really good shit. Obviously, the mythology stuff we get around Tarvisla is oh, super that interesting. Oh, the cartoon is
1: beautiful, and the the symbolism of the Mandalorian pulling the dark saber out of the Jedi Temple, but it's the central spire. I love that little cartoon at the beginning.
0: I don't know if we'll ever get a story around Tarvisla, but it would be really cool if we did. So I was
1: just reading. Um, the Phil Schostack book, The Art of the Mandalorian. It's that big coffee table book that's just it covers the whole development of the show in chronological order. And there was an interesting little tidbit in the first chapter where I guess um it would have been about eight or nine months after this episode aired, shortly before The Last Jedi came out. And John Favreau finally got a meeting with Kathleen Kennedy where he told her his idea, which at that point was pretty much just Din Djarin and the child. He there wasn't a lot about how it related to overall Mandalorian culture, and she said, "Now that's interesting because Dave Filoni is developing something about Mandalorian history. Maybe you two could collaborate on one project." So I think doing something about Tarvisla that like that would have to have been it, right?
0: I can't imagine anything else.
1: So I hope that that idea that's rattling around there eventually sees the light of day. Even if it isn't Tarvis, I would love to see them do something old Mandalorian.
0: Yeah, it'd be it'd be really cool. This is a great episode.
1: This is a great episode. I couldn't even think of anything that didn't work.
0: Um I do like that they established that like they have been out there for multiple days. Yeah. I do wish that after Sabine's breakthrough with her trauma, that there had been some more training afterwards. And maybe there was, and they just didn't show it.
1: That was probably it. I feel like the trauma was a good emotional climax. Yeah. And to do anything after that.
0: I could, like, that's when I say, like, I wish there were four more minutes. I wish there had been, like, another montage after... She had broken through this trauma, and then we see her training with just Kanan and the Darksaber. That's um, true. And then, like, we could have seen her and Kanan go back to, you know, the Rebel base together. Um, but we, like, I fully recognize that this episode is 23 minutes or whatever, and, like, that's all it can be, because it wasn't on Disney+. Plus. And I'm spoiled <laughs> now.
1: I know, me too. I hope The Bad Batch is, I mean, I guess it would have to be, variable episode lengths.
0: Yeah, they can just do that shit now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they don't have to do have commercials, people...
0: so they can just do that shit, and it's going to be great. <laughs> I can't wait. I love it. Um, But yeah, there's really nothing that doesn't work. This episode from start to finish is just really, really freaking good.
1: It really is.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I guess that's anticlimactic, but there's nothing I would change. Um, I could literally just stay here and keep talking about how everything in this episode fucking slaps. The Ezra shit's funny. Like, like it's not too much. Like at no point it does it feel inappropriate. It feels like they're two young adults who like our students together, and our, like, our brother and sister, and yeah, occasionally shitty, like, all of it's funny, all of it lands.
1: Yeah, sometimes, I was gonna say, sometimes Star Wars writes kids and teens annoyingly, or over the top, or kind of beyond their years, but this was, I mean, at this point in the timeline, Ezra and Sabine are 16 and 18, and they were acting very age-appropriate. Yeah without being obnoxious I mean they were obnoxious but they were just obnoxious enough
0: and like there are scenes where they are competing with each other but then there are also moments where you see that they still care for each other very much um, yeah it's good, it's, it's it's all good
1: it is all good
0: a ton of Mandalorian lore a ton of great lightsaber and Jedi lore um, I don't think Beautiful we, character moments. Yeah, beautiful character moments. I don't think we mentioned the effect that the Darksaber has on other lightsabers and that's super cool Like saber locks in general in Star Wars are neat, but the Darksaber yeah. when it saber locks, the like white parts of the blade kind of dance off of it more It's real Darksaber's weird beautiful. It's real it's weird, beautiful. it's real neat Yeah can't wait to see that in live action, to be honest. I know. That'll be real cool. I know. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh we'll stop it here. Um That's gonna do it for us. Follow us on Twitter at Friends Pod. Give us money at Kofi slash Friends Rewatch. Shoot us an email at forcefriendsrewatch at gmail.com. We want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks for that intro and for being our producer. Go reach out to them to make your podcast dreams come true. And lastly, we will be teaming up with some other Bristol Podworks shows to form a Patreon. Keep an eye here and on our Twitter for more details. Bam. Ryan, what do we say? What do we say to end the show, Ryan? We say...
1: I feel like because this one was such an Ezra-heavy episode, we should, we should remind them to tell the boy about his parents. They
0: really should tell this boy about, about his parents. His
1: and I think in this point in the timeline, he does know, but it bears repeating anyway. Uh, but this is the way.
0: This is the way.
1: This is the way.
0: Greece is the word, is the word that you